Within the Geek Cave, there lives a sarcastic woman who jumped the snark years ago. With her cynicism talisman forever upon her neck, she guides you through the cinematic wasteland. It's time for the more than monthly movie review from the GRD Cinemistress, Carol the Cat. Hello, wonderful humans. This is the Cinemistress, and I went to my couch to watch a movie. This is day 10 of the 12 days of Cinemistress, and I watched Rebel Moon, Part 1, A Child of Fire, the new film written and directed by Zack Snyder and streaming currently on Netflix. The movie stars Sofia Boutella as Cora, the main character, and tells only a portion of the story. Part 2, The Scar Giver, is supposed to air on Netflix late next year, and there's actually an R-rated, quote-unquote, better version of this movie that is scheduled to be released on Netflix early next year. So, why bother releasing this? Did they actually think this would get Oscar consideration? Look, I have a love-hate relationship with Zack Snyder. I think stylistically he's amazing. But story-wise, he usually falls flat. There are some exceptions. I personally am a huge fan of his Watchmen. And his cut of Justice League wasn't terrible. And who could forget the perfection that is the legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Kahuli? I'm kidding. I have actually never seen that film. That is the only Zack Snyder film I have not seen. But mostly I find him more style than substance. Will Rebel Moon be another exception? Let's find out. Since this is part one of a story, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. I'm not going to save any spoilers until the end, because quite frankly, there's not anything to spoil here. You're not getting a resolution, because this is only part one. But let's get into that story, and here's your plot. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was an evil empire named the Mother World. Naturally, the mother world likes to dress in Nazi chic, and they all have haircuts like that one lawyer of Rudy Giuliani. The mother world was ruled by a king until a senator assassinated that king and made himself emperor. Oh, I'm sorry, made himself regent. And with his sidekick, a cyborg general named Noble, he rules the galaxy with an iron fist. This regent's daughter used to be a high-ranking member of the military until she turned against the Empire, I'm sorry, the Mother World. She has been hiding on a farming planet named Velt for a few years, where she likes to fondle soil and flirt with the farmers. Unfortunately for her, a dreadnought piloted by Noble comes to this farming planet looking for food. After getting conflicting messages as to whether or not there is food to actually give them, Noble kills the leader of the farmers and tells the group that they're going to come back and take their next harvest. After dispatching the garrison that Noble leaves behind, Cora teams up with Gunner, a local farmer, and they go off-world to find a group of samurai, I'm sorry, warriors to help them protect their village. In their travels, they meet a happy-go-lucky pilot who has no reason at all to help them but does anyway. Gee, I wonder if he's going to betray them later. They also meet Tarek, a hippogriff whisperer, Nemesis, a sword mistress, Titus, a former general who's now a drunkard, even though he's cut like a Marvel superhero. Look, this is a Star Wars ripoff that's basically seven samurai in space. And what's worse, they've already made that movie. It's called Battle Beyond the Stars. That's right, Zack Snyder made a remake of Battle Beyond the Stars. 
Not even the soothing narration of Anthony Hopkins could save this one. Let's just get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of this film, shall we? First, the good. Like I said, Zack Snyder has style, and this movie looks really good. He's still in his sepia phase, so everything has a sepia tone. But on the whole, it's a nice-looking film. And at 2 hours and 15 minutes, there's a lot of film to look at. I will also say that I found it funny that Anthony Hopkins outacted everyone else in the cast using just his voice. That's all I have good to say about this film. Let's get into the bad. There's some interesting creature design and some cool gadgets, but nothing here looks original. It all looks like just variations on things you've already seen before in other better films. And I can't even say that the acting elevates any of the material here because it's all so wooden. Anthony Hopkins' narration being the only exception. And this movie is 2 hours and 15 minutes long, which leads me to the ugly. The use of slow-mo. I kind of want to re-watch this movie and use a stopwatch on all the slow motion scenes because I have a sneaking suspicion this movie is actually only an hour long. It's an hour of story and half of that is exposition and that the rest of the runtime is made up of slow-mo scenes. And I'm not just talking regular slow-mo, I'm talking super slow-mo. There's a scene where Tarek is taming a hippogriff. Look, don't ask me. I didn't write this movie. I didn't put the hippogriff there. But he's taming this hippogriff, and he goes to, like, jump on him. And I, I swear I could have gotten up and taken a restroom break in the amount of time it took for him to land on the hippogriff. He uses slow-mo on scenes that don't need slow-mo. Why do I need to see Cora very slowly put a gun in her holster? It's not that cool, really. Not that there is anything original to see when the movie is regular motion, because everything here is so derivative of something else. I can't think of one original thing in this movie. It just all seems to come from some other property. This is just a pretty package filled with rehashed storylines. And the dialogue is bad. And there are times where the story keeps trying to tell you the same things over and over again. There's this hilarious scene toward the end after Kai has betrayed them and they've been captured by the mother world. And General Noble goes to each one of them and tells us who they are. Except we know who they are. We've been watching the movie. We were there when the movie met them. Why are you telling us this again? This is just a mess. Final thoughts. Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire is a overly long, overly stylized, sepia-toned mess. I don't know what the R-rated version is going to include that would make this film better. I'm assuming just boobs and blood. But that is not going to help with the cringeworthy dialogue and the completely unoriginal storylines. I am giving Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, one and a half popcorn buckets. This was a chore to get through, and I won't be marking when Part 2 drops next year, because I really don't care. This is the Cinemistress signing off. So wait a minute, who is the Child of Fire? There's only one child in this movie, and it's the princess, and she doesn't seem to be... A child of fire at all, she heals people. Is it supposed to be Cora? But she's only a child in flashbacks. So, who's the child of fire? Not even the name makes sense.
GRD is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Come check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit up our website at geekradiodaily.com. Find more of Carol the Cat at guardiansofthegeekery.com and purplehairedpixie.com.